It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today on The State of Us, smart investing in 2022, dividend stocks, and your 401k. Welcome to The State of Us. I'm your host, Justin T. Weller, joined today by the one and only, your friendly redneck liberal and the senior resident historian here at True Chat. Mr. Lance Jackson. Today, we're looking at some investing advice for 2022. Three things that we can all do to be better investors and how to peek at your 401k without freaking out. We'll also look at the smartest ways to join the rush into those trendy dividend stocks. So there's a lot to talk about. And of course, I guess it's important to preface that Lance nor I are financial experts. So we're merely speaking from our own experience and the experts who wrote these articles for the Wall Street Journal. So um, that's our level of expertise is trying to bring you that sort of every person perspective. So Lance, do we have a word of the day? We do. It's from the French malaise, two syllables, M-A-L-A-I-S-E. It is a noun. It means a vague feeling of physical discomfort or uneasiness or a vague awareness of moral or social decline. So you could say there's a malaise in the economy, or I am feeling malaise on my 401k right now. Okay. Got that 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 vague sense of uneasiness, yes, right? Yes. It's, it's hard to pinpoint Well, I mean, the, why. Other, the other choice for word of the day was malcontent. Okay. And I thought that, well, that's pretty basic, and that's, but that kind of pretty much describes my mood today too. Though, is is malcontent. Okay, I'm more of a malcontent, but I'll I'll back off a little bit or try to, and He'll just try have, to move and, and just to have a state a, of malaise. Yes, and just have a little malaise <laughs> over the issues of okay. the day instead of being a true malcontent. Uh, and if you're a malcontent, it means as an adjective, discontented, dissatisfied, or rebellious, and as a noun, a discontented, dissatisfied, or rebellious person. So, you know, take your pick today. I mean, we're going to go with malaise, but know that my malaise comes from my malcontented attitude. Malcontented. Uh, Well, taking a quick glance when stocks are down can cause investors to take steps that undermine their long-term financial security, increasing the temptation to sell stocks at fire sale prices. In fact, Lance... Can't do it. (laughs) The more people look... At their 401ks, the lower their long-term returns are likely to be, according to two new landmark studies from behavioral economists. I just, did people get that? The more that you look at your 401k, the lower your long-term returns are likely to be. I didn't need to learn that from behavioral economists. I learned it from my wife. Uh-huh. She she worked at a financial office when we first got married and first started investing. And I kept looking at stuff. She goes, quit looking. You don't look. 
And so that's been my attitude for the last 35 years. The, the, the monthly statement comes and I glance at it and then I put it away and I try not to think about it too much for the next 30 days until it comes again. How's that go? Is that, is it pretty um, good? You know, do just, you experience malaise or is it, or is it more gnawing at you than that? Uh, no, it's, it's much malaise. Um, so I don't watch my personal returns. I just get up and watch CNBC and watch them uh, talk about the economy. <laughs> and when it's down, frustrated, yes, when it's up, happy. Feel a little and, bit better. Okay. Yeah. Try to figure out, okay, what's my, what does that mean to me? You know, da, 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 figure it out and translate it. And yeah. So, um, but I don't look, I don't look. And I think the biggest thing, you know, when you say you don't look, it's not taking action because what, what really happens is, as the study points out, right, the more often you look, the more you feel like you have to do something about it. And what the market, the stock market and dividends and investing and any kind of economic plan that you might have in your household, even if you're not, you know, don't have a 401k or you don't have a company stock sharing, all you're doing is trying to put $20 a week away into a savings account so you'll have money to, to buy Christmas presents this year or something, you know, any kind of economic plan, the key is don't deviate from that, right? That's that don't, well, things got tough. So, you know, I'm going to have to borrow from this to do this. That's when you get in trouble. You try to, to not, you know, to, to, to stay the course. And that's, you know, more difficult to do if you're constantly looking at things, you're more likely to take action based on things happening if you're more exposed to the things happening. And for the average person, the article points out that the pain of losing is more powerful than the pleasure of gaining. And this phenomenon so true. is, oh, so is made true. even worse when people constantly check day-to-day -day movements of the market and lose sight of their long-term goals. That's the, right, you get caught down in the trees and you don't see the forest because all you can see is the terribleness in front of you that day or from the last day. And so then you start taking action because that pain of the loss, right, at the moment far outweighs any potential uh, pleasure from the gain that you may experience if you leave it alone, which again, that goes back to contributing to bad financial decisions, right? Well, it's, it's, it's like chasing the high, right? I mean, you're, oh, grow, oh, yeah, I made some money. I won the bet, I, whatever, right? And then as soon as that's over, it's like, you got to get the next one. And that's not the way it works, right? That's not the long term. You can't live that way um, because it's self-destructing. And it's the same when it comes to your finances is that, you know, it's like I save a little bit of money. Then I see bills coming in. I'm like, oh, God, I got to pay the bills. Now I don't have as much money. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why am I not being grateful for the fact that I have enough money to pay my bills? And if something comes unexpectedly and disrupts my budget, well, I have a savings account that I can use to pay that bill. You know, it's all that perspective. You know, that's the, the key, right? It's that perspective. Instead of feeling the malaise of, of oh my gosh, I got to replace the water heater. It's like, well, why don't we flip it around and think, hey, I've got money to replace the water heater and still pay all my bills this month. Your hot water heater went out, didn't it? It did. Yes. <laughs> how, how, how is that going over at home? Well, <laughs> it's about the fourth cost 
thing that I wasn't expecting this month. Okay. So they're hitting all is, at once. Which is the first month that my wife and I are officially retired. <laughs> We're officially living so off of retirement. got a bad omen here or something. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> so what are um, the odds that they all hit, right? Right. In the, in the full but, retirement stage. But as my, my, my lovely bride of almost 40 years uh-uh. has kept telling me, that's why we put all this money away. That's why, you know, you told me we could afford this because if this happened, we have that money. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't want to spend it just because we <laughs> just because we planned on yeah, spending it. Doesn't mean, mean I wanted to. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm coming to wrap my head around it. It's going to be okay. You know, life is, life moves on and, and I've got plenty of money to live off of. Um, you you know, could just take just, cold showers. I mean, do you really need hot water? Well, I don't, <laughs> but something about something about having that happy life. Other, right? other, right? My, my life, yeah. Do am I miserable? You know, um, because I'm spending money, or am I miserable because my spouse is taking cold showers? Yes, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I know which one that I I would uh, bank on. Well, so. you see, but I, but again, right? Here's where half full, half empty. I'm extremely lucky. Sure. Because we have two hot water tanks in our house and we have two bathrooms and each bathroom is connected to a hot water tank. So while we're waiting for the repairman to come, we still have a bathroom where we can oh. get hot water. So first world problems. Exactly. Then. Right. And, and that's, but that's the perspective, right. you know, that's, it's, it's all how you look at things, you know, and it's like, well, if you only have one hot water heater or whatever, Okay, do you still have running water? Yes. Oh, well, guess what? There are a lot of people in the <laughs> who world don't have running water. who don't have running water. They're walking yep. two or three miles each way, you know, not uphill, but to, to fetch water from the one local thing. There. And that's the same way with our money, right? We, we, we just have to plan it out and stick with it. And what the studies show is, don't look at it. Because the majority of the time, right, what does it say here? Since 1929, the S&P index has posted declines 46% of a daily market open. In contrast, if you just looked at it once a year, you only suffered losses 25% of the time. And over a 10-year period, there was a loss just 6% of the time. So if you look every day, you lost 46 out of 100 times. If you looked once a year, you lost 25 out of 100 and if you look once every 10 years, you only lost six out of 100. How much? And so that means the rest of that time, you could be happy because you yeah. didn't know you were losing. The probability of negative returns is r- correlated, right, to the amount of time that you hold a position. In other words, this isn't, then remember, that was the SP 500. So this isn't just 401ks. This is just for everybody. Understanding that unless you're, you know, unless your job, right, for example, is day trading or investing, if you are trading, generally speaking, on a day-to-day or month-to-month, even quarter-to-quarter basis, the probability of negative returns is pretty high. I mean, even if you're only trading once a month, you still end up with like a 37, 38% probability that if you bought in the previous month and sold in the next month, there's like a 47% chance or excuse me, a 37% chance that you're going to take a loss. Right. I mean, that's a pretty, 
that's a that's not very good odds, you know. I mean, not when you're talking about the type of money you're negotiating with here for your for your long-term future. So if what you're doing is investing for the long term, right? And you look at well, what if I what if I'm holding an investment for 10 years? Well, now I only have a 6% probability of loss. Those are pretty good odds, right? Exactly. There's a 94% probability that you will post a gain on a 10-year investment. Yep. In the S&P 500, take anything in the S&P 500, right? You're just at random, there's 94% chance that if you hold it for 10 years, you will see a positive return. We all look at those losses, I think, on such a short-term basis. But really what you care about is what did you start with and what did you end with? And when you started, didn't you have long-term goals? So right. why, yeah, why, why did you start why, why are you changing in the middle or as you got started? If you had a long-term goal, stick with your long-term goal because you probably made the long-term goal following a rational plan because you probably didn't just jump into it. You probably thought about it for a long time. So if it's a long-term plan, let it run long-term, right? And to your point, I'm at the other end of the spectrum and I don't have as much as maybe I had a, you know, a few years ago when everything was red hot, but I knew it wasn't going to stay red hot. But I'm still worth more than what I put away over the last 25 years. Which ultimately, right? I mean, that, that's the end goal. If right? you can get at least back what you put in. Yeah. I mean, that's that's better than most people because most people don't, uh, a lot of people don't get to put away anything. Right. right. So, I mean, they're reliant on social security or something of a similar nature to provide some kind of benefit. So, if you did something on top of that, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the goal is to have more than that. And the hope is that your money made money. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, when you get into, well, it made, instead of making 10%, it only made 8%. I, yeah, I mean, that it's unfortunate, right? Like, yes, it would be nicer, of course, to make 10. It'd be nicer to make 15 or 20 or 30 or 40. I mean, yes, that would be nice. But at the same time, it's that matter of perspective. And as people, and I think we've talked about that a lot on this show, we view things through, uh, we have a recency bias, right? Which is so important to understand. We're very sensitive to things that happened recently. And if things happened, the further away you get from them, the less sensitive, generally speaking, we tend to be. And so that's the, the market's doing bad. Okay, how's it doing in three months? How's it doing in three years? Well, I don't even, how, how bad was it doing three years ago on this day? I don't know. Didn't I sell something? I don't remember what I sold. Why'd I do that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, so what are the things you should do? Three things that you can do. I, we've alluded to some of them, um, but we're going to talk about those. Keep it here on The State of Us. We'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, Lance and I have talked about some of the traps that you could fall into, you know? Got to be careful. So what 
if you have a 401k, but even broader than that, right? If you're somebody like me, don't have a 401k, but you have some other, you know, long-term investing strategy, what are the three things uh, that you ought to do or that you should consider doing that are just going to make you a smarter investor? And it's almost like, Lance, isn't it great that we, you know, pay people to come up with these things? Because you would think that we ought to be able to figure these out. But now the first and foremost thing is have a plan. I play the lottery every Saturday. <laughs> I go buy my ticket. Yeah. yeah that, is that my that's, plan? Is that your plan? That's a, well, well it, that is a plan. It is a plan, right? It is a plan. Right. And that's what this says, have a plan. So that is a plan. But really what this is talking about is how often are you going to check your balances of your investments. And I think this is kind of what's interesting about it because it's like, well, duh, have a plan, but have a plan for checking. In other words, don't just check whenever you feel like it, right? It should be structured. Vanguard suggests looking at least once a year, but no more than once a quarter to see if you're on track for your goals. So in other words, set up those goals, decide what they are, right? And then Make sure that you only are checking at those intervals. Keep in mind, they said no more than once a quarter, no more frequently (laughs) than once every three months, right? That's what they're saying. That's the most frequent that you ought to be checking. And I'm checking once a month. And you're checking once. So Lance is doing it way too much. I'm not not following their advice. (laughs) Needs to come in and go right in the shredder. Don't even look at it. Right. Then Lance will be in there later that night putting the pieces from the shredder Ooh, together. Something to, like that. I got to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay. Don't put it in the shredder. Take it out back and burn it. And then the and then you'd be out there sifting the ashes. Well, you know, this, we, we all have our crosses to bear. <laughs> I, I would feel like you could call up, you know, the company that manages it for you and say, can you stop sending me the monthly, know, the monthly, the yeah. monthly statements? Because right. <laughs> then I won't check. Uh, the next thing, Lance, well, my, my plan is once a month. I mean, that's pretty good. Right. Well, it's not daily. They suggest once a quarter, right? Yeah. No that's, more than once yeah, a quarter. That, that's, that's their no suggestion. Okay. Well, you know, I check twice a quarter, three times. Cause <laughs> three the, the, well, the third time is actually the end of the quarter. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. that's when I was you supposed to. You two more times than you're than supposed, I'm supposed to. to. Right. Set it and forget it is the next one, which leads right into that other one, right? If the plan is only to check it, uh, say once a quarter or once a year, then you want to forget about it the rest of the time. And and more specifically, this talks about many 401ks and other retirement plans today offer savings and investing on autopilot. Um, Take advantage of it, right? This is a barrier to entry thing. You set it up one time and then you don't have to touch it in order to keep doing what you do. And I, I just speaking from experience, Lance, from several years ago when uh, we we had in my household like no savings. We had investments, but we had no like savings account. When our bank introduced the option of setting up auto savings goals and we instituted that and said, hey, every time we're paid, right when we're paid, take this much and put it into savings. Yep. I, I can tell you that today, I feel like when those unforeseen things like the hot water heater, I mean, yeah, that sucks, but I'm not... I don't have to freak out about it because it's like, oh yeah, well we have, you know, I mean, that's set aside. I, I have that emergency fund. I'm ready to, ready to draw on it, you know? And now, I mean, I don't want, you know, a, a $50,000 expense or something like that, but you know, if something goes out and it's a few hundred dollars to get the car fixed or tires or something that you're not expecting, hot water heater, it's like, 
No, it's not great, but that's not going to be the end of the world because I set it and I forget it and it's saving for me, right? I'm setting my money aside and I don't have to do anything because that's that barrier to entry thing, right? The difference between it, it goes back to, we just talked about the whole Netflix and streaming thing and kids, right? And it's that notion of the difference between having to opt to do a thing versus having to not opt to do a thing. If you are automatically opted in, you're far more likely to stick with it. That's the same reason why all these companies want subscriptions from you, right? Same reason, because it's hard to cancel them. It's difficult for you to take the time to go cancel them. So auto renewing is the way to go, which is why auto investing (laughs) is the way to go, especially if you're not going to be you know, somebody who's checking it daily, which we just talked about in the first part, you shouldn't be doing. Well, it's before there was all this technology. When I first started working, an old guy who happens to, happened at that time, as I think about it, be the age that I am now. But he was an old guy when I was starting working. So what does that make you? I'm an old guy. Okay. He looked at me and he goes, if you are the most valuable person to your economic plan, the person you pay first when you get paid is yourself. Same concept, right? He said, you pay yourself first. He said, what you do, he said, what I've watched people do all these years is I'm going to save whatever's left over at the end of the month. And what do we do? Well, we get to the third week of the month and it's like, hey, I've still got an extra 50 bucks. Oh, I really want this or I'd like to go out to eat or whatever. And so you spend it. But he said, if you take whatever amount, X amount, 5%, 10%, whatever amount you want, and you take it out of your paycheck first, put it in the savings account, and don't touch it, don't look at it, you learn to live off of what's left. We save 30% of, of our paychecks right, right. now. And, and that may sound like- Which is a high number. Which is a high number, right? Especially for people who are young and have just purchased a house and all of that. But to Lance's point of- I mean, I remember when we did that and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, that feels like a lot. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm not sure we can make that work. But then it's that perspective of, okay, but wait a minute. The 70% we're living on is still more than what we had five years ago. So we know we can make it work, right? To your point of set it, forget it, and then don't, don't eat into it unless you have to. And and such a valuable I mean, again, it seems like that ought to be common sense, right? But as somebody who didn't do that, and then as somebody who started doing that, I can tell you that even if it's common sense, doesn't mean we always do it. And the last thing is create speed bumps. To reduce the temptation to check your balance and trade, they um, suggest that you delete apps that provide access to your account. If you have the urge to trade, ask yourself the following. Are you taking this action because your personal situation has changed or simply in reaction to the market. If you are reacting to the market, you know, ask yourself before you do it, am I reacting to the market? If the answer is yes, don't do it, right? Now, if it's because, well, my personal situation has changed, my hot water here went out. Okay, well, now we can talk about that and look at it, right? Or I'm getting ready to retire or whatever. Okay, now that's a reason to look at this. And that, according to the experts, is the way you go if you want to have the most financial security in your later years. Yep. Well, and, and as you go along as well. You know, I mean, every day of your life, if you want financial security, this is the, you know, have the plan, set it and forget it, create the speed bumps. But now you're going to tell me the new millennial thing that 
if you're still aggressively investing, right? There's a new way to do that. I'm not very interested in it because I, I mean, I should be right. I'm going to live another 25 years, so I should still be investing. But I'm like, well, I've done mine. I'm going to sit on it. But if I were interested in investing again, what, what, where, where, where would I go now? I, I guess it's not, it's not really a new. The tool is not new, right? right? <clears throat> However, how it's being used in some respects is newer or is trendy, and that's dividend stocks, right? Should you be investing in dividend stocks? Well, to start with, Lance, what, I, what is a dividend? Right, I, was gonna say, I mean, I, I know what we, dividends are. <laughs> I know what stocks are. So, I mean, yep. I can assume, but I don't want to assume, right? So, yep. what is a dividend stock? A dividend stock is a share of a company that regularly distributes a portion of its earnings to shareholders in the form of cash or additional stock. Not all companies distribute profits in the form of dividends. Some reinvest profits back into their organizations. A good example, though, of a company that does this, who I own stock in, is AT&T, right? Mm. They trade under the symbol T, and they are a they are somebody who regularly pays, I believe currently, and see, here's my set and forget thing. I believe they pay a quarterly dividend, okay? okay? And the annual yield... The last time I looked, I think was like six and a half percent. So what does that mean? Well, put simply, what it means is every every dollar that you invest, right? So just hypothetically, let's just say I invested a hundred dollars, right? At the end of the year, I will have been paid by the company six dollars and fifty cents. Mm. Okay. In addition to whatever my stock has accumulated in value. So if the stock has gone up 10% as well, then that I can sell separately and still make money on. But the dividend is money on top of that, right? That I am getting distributed from the company's profits, essentially. So the company made money. I own part of the company. I am entitled to my percentage share of the company's profits. That's again not a financial expert. So I'm That's looking a very at a layman explanation. Yeah, so I'm looking at a 12-month CD that if I could earn like 2%, 2.5%, I, I would make $2.50 off that $100 in my CD and you're going to make $6.75. You're making almost three times what I'm making. So what's the drawback? I mean, there's got to be a drawback, <laughs> right? Because otherwise right. everybody's money should be flooding into these dividend stock investments, Right. Yeah. Well, how do you choose one to invest in? Right. Because right? I mean, it sounds like, well, I would do. Well, here's one of the drawbacks, right, of AT&T. If you're invested in AT&T, you know this, the stock has not been doing well. <laughs> so the problem is that money that I've invested, there's less of it today than when I originally bought the stock. So my CD, so, <laughs> I still have my $100. Right. Plus, you have your $100 no matter what. Plus my interest. Plus your interest. Your $100 is now only worth $60 plus because, your $6 interest because the stock price yeah, is down. Right. Well, and I don't get the $6 because my stock's not worth what it was anymore. Mm. So it's not... See, so 6% off that, the value of uh, your stock. Uh, right. Oh. So, so see... Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and now, keep now them, I know why I'm looking uh, at CDs. That's okay. right. All right. Yes. I, I didn't realize <laughs> this was an option that you're talking about today, but I know now why I haven't bothered to look into it. Yes. That sounds sounds well, a little bit, I mean, there's not a little bit, right? But there's, 
there's a good chance that if, risk involved if, if you have an investment portfolio that you are partially invested in stocks that pay a dividend, right? There's a good chance of that. However, the dividend is probably not something that you're even consciously aware of existing. Why You're more interested in the stock price. Right. And why is it that you're not aware of the dividend? Well, we're going to talk about that. Keep it here on The State of Us. We'll be right back. One question is, can dividends be reinvested? And this is part of the reason that a lot of people don't necessarily even really know that they get dividends. Um, is because, for example, for a long time, my dividends were set to automatically reinvest. And some companies, right, offer uh, what is known as DRIP, uh, which essentially these plans, the cash dividends that you earn are automatically reinvested to purchase more stock in the company. Right. These vehicles use dollar cost averaging and help investors accumulate more shares at a lower cost since there are no commissions or brokerage fees on drips. Reinvesting dividends historically allows investors to outpace the S&P 500 with less volatility. One of the reasons that dividends are trendy, Lance, or have been the past number of years is because there's a lot of millennials that talk about um, you know, retiring at, at 30, right? Or something like that. Not a lot of millennials. There are millennials online who talk about how you do that. One of the ways they do that is establishing passive income via dividend stocks, right? Mm. Um, and so in other words, you, they are counting on receiving these dividend distributions, which allow them outside of what their stocks are worth. So they're not, they don't have to draw down on their investments to live off of the dividends. Okay. Um, which in theory sounds pretty good, right? But take AT&T, for example. If I had $100,000 invested, and if the stock just held its value, right, so it didn't post any losses, at the end of the year, I would only have made $6,500. So in order to live off of dividend stocks, right? Now, obviously, there's dividend stocks out there that, that have better uh, yields. But to live off of them, you have to have invested quite a bit to have a have a respectable living wage, right? Like my my AT&T stock by all measures is a bad well, I I should probably get rid of it, right? <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, since I bought it, it is a loser, you know. Uh, I I the the dividends have not made up for the losses that I have incurred as a result of owning that stock. So you have a deep malaise in your stomach about yes, carrying yeah. AT&T. Right? I mean, great. I'm getting this dividend, but I keep losing money. So it's um, that that I guess is the tricky part, right? Of you, choosing dividend stocks uh, can be difficult because a high yield isn't always necessarily a good thing. Right. That's what I learned from from reading the article and, and it's posted at the state of us.org. So please get in there and look. But it, it said... You need to pick something that's also strong in value. And, and and the problem is, and the thing I didn't like about the article, and this is just anything that does with, with having to do with investing money, it told us in the article which stocks are hot right now, which stocks are doing well. Well, if you jump in and buy the, in my opinion, you go out there and you buy the hot stocks, then you're not going to get the return that everybody else has gotten. Because it's not going to stay that hot. The key to any kind of investment, which is why you go back to the earlier segments of the show, is stick to your plan. If you're trying to jump 
from place to place to find the hot stock of the day, that's when you end up getting burned and losing everything. It sounds fun. Right. Uh, and it can be fun, uh, but it can also be heartbreaking because you can... Back to what I said earlier, you're chasing the high. Right. It feels good when you get it right, but it doesn't outweigh all those losses that you incurred and the, and the negative feelings that you have, which then, this is the way our brains work, right? As human beings, we chase a bigger high to cover up for the loss that we just have, and we end up losing even more. Hence, like a gambler type of deal, right? Whether you, well, I'm going to take this bet at 100 to 1 odds because I just lost all this money so I can recoup my losses. That's a horrible way to invest, which is why you got to have your plan. You got to stick to it and, you know, create your speed bumps. Yeah. So one other important consideration is how is income from dividend stocks taxed? Right. Because, okay, great. I, let's just say I have a million dollars invested in dividend stocks and I have a yield of 6.5%. Right. So $60,500 is getting paid out to me annually. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not, you know, it's not tremendous money, but for a lot of people, that's our average, you know, household income in the U.S., right? We're, 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 get, we're definitely getting by. Depending you know? on where you live, you can cover the cost of living. Right. With you, that. you could live you on bet. that. So, Okay, you can live on that. That's great. But do you get to keep all sixty thousand five hundred, or how's that work? <laughs> you mean there's, you mean there's something called taxes? Uh, so how how's this stuff taxed? Yeah, well, that would be something to talk to a tax professional about because <laughs> how dividends are taxed depends on whether they are classified as a qualified or non qualified dividend based on lovely IRS criteria. Basically, uh, part of the determining factor is how long the investor has held the stock. Other factors include your taxable income and the kind of investment account that holds the dividend. So qualified dividends are taxed as long-term capital gains, which can be lower, lower rate yeah. than ordinary income. For example, um, my long-term capital gains, I don't, haven't paid any taxes on the dividends that I received, because they don't exceed the income threshold necessary to be taxed. So this is one of those, why can people do this? If you play the system well, and if you're smart, right, um, it is possible to essentially get some of that dividend money, in essence, sort of tax-free, right? However, I guess the other important thing is that depending on the size of your portfolio and what account they're in, that may not be the case. It's very tricky. Uh, and that's why Lance nor I are tax professionals. If you're going to seriously invest substantive money, it'd probably be a good idea to talk to your financial advisor and or accountant about the tax implications of dividends to make sure that what you think you're actually going to have versus what you actually get are going to be the same thing. That sort of makes sense. I mean, I, I get it. It's it's like, this is so tricky. You probably really need to read up on it yourself, but more than likely need to talk to some people who know this law inside and out. Yeah, it's it's, I guess the point in all of this, right, is there's a reason that there's professionals that deal with this kind of stuff because it's not always as straightforward as some of those videos online are going to make it sound. Um, and it's very... Well, how you benefit is very 
specific to your situation. Um, so just because somebody else has had success with it, it doesn't mean their success is a farce. It means that their unique situation enabled them to be successful. And frankly, you know, part of the reason we're talking about dividends, Lance, is because there's this rush into, you know, oh, well, the stock market's not doing well, so I'm going to reinvest my money in things that are going to pay me money so that I have a way of hedging, you know, basically. Because if you're shifting because you need the short-term gain, then okay, that maybe that does make sense. But if you're shifting and you're not planning to really take out substantive money for 10 years, then you probably need to sit back and reassess, should I really be making that shift at all? Well, and I'll, and I'll just end with this and, and Lynn, let you have the last word. But I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking about 2007, 8, 9. And my rush was, oh my gosh, we have to get out of stocks. Our kids are going to college. We're going to lose all this money that we've invested. And my wife looked at me and said, that's money we said we didn't need. We'll find a way to do it. Let it ride. And by 2018, I was worth more money than I ever, ever thought was possible. There's your 10 years, right? There's your 10 years. So it's as whatever your plan is, if your investment money is money that you weren't, excuse me, weren't counting on, I'm an example of it improving, right? And right now I'm wanting to run and hide, right? Because I'm just retiring and, but I'm like, okay, 10 years from now, I'm going to be okay. And the thing is, to your point earlier, Justin, I still have more than I started with. So don't be greedy and and make a mistake. If you're experiencing Stay the course. If you're experiencing malaise, right? The thing to do is remember that the one day probability of negative returns is 46%. About a coin flip, right? Regardless of how smart you think you are. Yep. The probability of a negative return is about as good as flipping a quarter. However, if you hold those investments of the S&P 500 for 10 years, you only have a 6% probability of a there negative return, or by contrast, a 94% probability of positive return. 94%. Now, those are odds that I would gamble on. So, Lance, why do we have this conversation today? Well, because we have a mission here at True Chat, and that mission is to educate people by providing honest, open, and respectful conversations. And hopefully you've learned something today, and we've opened your eyes a little bit, and you can figure it out and have a good rest of your life and and tell your friends about it. And if they like it, tell them as a podcast, they can find us on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and everywhere podcasts are found. A State of Us releases new episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays as a podcast. Those same episodes are heard on the weekends on AM and FM radio stations across the country. Lance, who do you have for the victory today on Malise? It's actually Malaise. So Malaise. I, so okay. Well, you, you win with Malaise. I, okay, I, I uh, took the victory with Malaise. Well, see, I, I was strategic I win, there. I win with Malaise. Okay, Malaise. Yes. <laughs> uh, for the state of us, I'm Justin T. Weller. I'm Lance Jackson. Special thanks to producer Bradley Butch. Thank you all, our audience, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Be the change. Be sure to check out our website, thestateofus.org, for books, articles, and all the ways to tune in. 
thestateofus.org.